Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass. I'm a tabletop game designer walking across the fine middle part of America <laughs> between uh, Gen Con, Indianapolis, and Glendale, California, my final destination. The f- final, or it's, I'm on my way. And it's me, Williams. I'm a tired and thirsty game designer. Adam, is there any water left in the canteen? Uh, I actually replaced it. <laughs> I am drinking um, like a third of a can of lime seltzer with a splash of vanilla extract and a double shot of espresso in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the good news is I have a beverage here. The bad news is no water. <laughs> No, there's some water in that. There's water um, content. Yeah, it's it's wet. <laughs> That's the water level. Uh, I, sorry, wait. You've got vanilla extract in a lime seltzer with espresso in it. Yeah, I couldn't wait to dig into the beverage trust. Um, is espresso different from espresso? Mm, it is, um, but you need like a sommelier to, to really... Uh, dictate the the differences most people most people can't tell the difference between espresso and espresso in their mouth yeah you really find out with the legs and the stems there's there's a a a point of diminishing returns like when you have a 4k tv and you're like really how much more pixels can you put in there (laughs) i don't see these pixels anymore um that's espresso and espresso you're telling me an lcd made this tv So we're on the road. Uh, this is our first travel episode of the Brain Trust Podcast. Um, I am from Boston, but Adam and I are going down to the center point of America before we go on our own ways. Yeah, there's that one place where you can stand and be in like four or five states at the same time. What's the direct middle between Glendale and Boston? Um, how do you find I'm that look out? it up. <laughs> um here uh you have to it's a die drop game <laughs> the Why, ma- there should be a die drop game on the united states yeah that's pretty good already well we got a good idea this week bye <laughs> bye thank you for listening to brain trust podcast i've been okay so boston <laughs> and los angeles i think that'll count for us um okay here's some of the best places to meet lincoln nebraska okay uh, Omaha. The sure. Bob Carey Pedestrian Bridge. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Let's go check out the Bob Carey. Who is Bob Carey? Please don't be a Civil War <laughs> fighter. Um, Bob Carey. Former governor of Nebraska. Almost certainly a bad guy. He is 76 years old. He's a Democrat. Hey. Still alive? Somehow. It's kind of weird to name stuff after people who are still kicking... Like, yeah. like, I wonder if that changes your, your, um, just attitude as a person. If like, oh shit, it gotta be good because this bridge is named after me. Maybe that's yeah, the answer. We think... just gotta build a bunch of bridges, name them after people, and then they'll be like, oh, I gotta keep my shit together. I can't be an asshole. You gotta refresh. Um, there's this, this is not a joke. There's a whole movement to have temporary monuments. That there should be no monuments that are, um, up for longer than five to ten years because uh people are generally bad and so you don't end up having all these monuments of um you know uh civil war confederate generals right. and colonizers like christopher columbus uh so there is in uh london there is a temporary square it's called like the temporary square or something like that where they just have a different installation that's rotating every 10 weeks that's like monumentalizing a different thing which is a, a cool thing that's a, just immediately gameable to me is, um, you know, how do you remember the past in ways that aren't uh, absolute erasure or um, revisionist history? It, it's history's pinned tweet, if you will. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Uh, I'm going to uh, change my only... pinned tweet every once in a while just to keep up with the times, but... Oh. Only friends may reply to this monument. 
Um, I like the idea of disposable, I guess, or like degradable monuments. Um, cause even if it, if they were, so I'm trying to like think of who in my lifetime would get a monument and then also in that same lifetime, maybe no longer be deserving of it. And for whatever reason, my, my gut impulse was Michael Jordan and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So Michael Jordan wins three NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls. And naturally they're like, wow, this guy's really fantastic. We're going to build a, a statue. And then he Hitler quits, quits basketball, has a Hitler mustache. <laughs> Argue, I'm pretty sure he got into big trouble for gambling on basketball. And that was part of the reason that he left in the middle. Yeah, to go play baseball. It's also just like a huge asshole. Michael Notor- Jordan, if you're asshole. listening. Michael Jordan, for everyone that knows or is Michael Jordan listening, don't be such a fucking asshole. <laughs> so then you have the the era in which the statue is no longer desired. Uh, he, he goes to play D-list baseball. He buys the Washington Wizards. Um, oh, right. But then Space Jam happens, and you're like, okay, well, we'll just add Bugs Bunny to the statue. <laughs> and... Then Michael Jordan comes back, wins three more championships with the Bulls before tarnishing his legacy by a, being a player on the Washington Wizards, which a lot of people forget about. And then, mm. but at that point, the Michael Jordan statue has is biodegraded, and you're just left with the Bugs Bunny statue. And you know what? I let that one stand. That's the story, and that's a big story of the Michael Jackson statue, <laughs> Michael Jordan statue. That Michael Jackson's another one that absolutely <laughs> would be a shifting. Yeah, let's build one, and then we'll let it we'll let it go pretty quick. I mean, let's call some shots. I'm gonna make a Annabeth statue, and I I want it, you know, to always be, you know, what we know Annabeth <laughs> for. Sure, the emo sucks patch. We've got the interesting <laughs> coffee drink. We've got the WC Game Co. Uh, club jacket. Uh, so I found a picture of the Bob Carey pedestrian bridge. I am going to send it to you via Skype, and I want us to think about some games we could play in this space. On the um, physical bridge? On the physical bridge. It looks very cool. Uh, let me just figure out how to use Skype. I watched that horror movie over Zoom last night. Uh, did you like it? Um, I watched it with Seb, and uh, Seb's a really smart horror movie person, so we like analyzed it after. Um, I think we both liked it, mm-hmm. but it was definitely uh, so brutal. It was like gave you no respite or anything for all 55 minutes. Right, it's short. It's short, and there's no let up at all. And so we were, you know, hiding behind covers and shit. At least I was. It's very LARPy. Wow. Like, like it, I, I it like already that. almost is a game of like li- live online. What's it? Laug? Live action online gaming. Oh, yeah. uh, we we made one of the f- the foundational games of that <laughs> genre. Remember? <laughs> uh, Laug. I. You see this? Okay, describe the bridge. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the bridge. Um, it appears to go into like an unseen realm. This is Nebraska in winter. There's um, some delicate snowfall, maybe like six to seven inches of accumulated snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot, Mm -hmm. but enough. Uh, And there is a solitary tree growing out of of the (laughs) snow with no leaves on it. It's not a very strong tree. Um, It's probably only 10 feet tall. There's a set of disconnected footprints in between the tree and the bridge that's going into the column of fog. Yeah, that's definitely like your adventure hook right there. <laughs> Whose yeah. footprints are these and where are they going? Um, but then you have this monumental suspension bridge. There are these, these huge, like, concrete-looking pillars and from which there's all these, like, support tendrils that hold the bridge up. Is this a pedestrian bridge? Yeah, the bridge yeah. itself—you can't tell from this angle, but it kind of loops, uh, you know, from it's like a single helix. Mm, yeah, it looks like it doesn't have car traffic. Like it's not—it's—it's it's fairly narrow. But then it just goes into a foggy abyss. It just like fades out. Reminds you of that Samurai Jack episode? Mm, or, I don't know. Remember that one? No, so I have there's this one. I have Samurai you, Jack on my HBO list, and it's uh, great. Same with this show called Primal that's from the same creator that looks like it's about oh. it's like a caveman on top of a T-Rex and he's holding a spear. Um, they're all on HBO now. The new HBO thing has all the Cartoon Network shows. 
Wow, cool. Well, anyway, th- there's this great episode of Samurai Jack. It's not a spoiler or anything, but Jack has to go across this bridge that uh, goes on forever, and it's only long enough, or it's only wide enough for one person to go. And so, obviously, in the middle of the bridge, he sees someone else, and then it's about their conflict on the bridge and how uh, neither of them will let the other pass. Um, that sounds like a very OSR puzzle. <laughs> like, yes, you wrote it, but you don't have an answer written and you're just like, well, the players will figure something out. I, I really like that kind of scenario design where you, you're not interested. I think that's something that I bounced off of. Like my early D and D dungeon mastering days was like, I kept on trying to figure out solutions to dungeons and puzzles. And then I just, listen to enough theory that was like just make a complex system and the, the puzzles will be apparent and the solutions will be apparent and you don't even have to trip yeah i've i've also enjoyed i think troika was really the eye-opener for me for that uh play style but it's also in babes in the wood which was my first role-playing game where it, it the adventure design is like here's a few important people and an important event that's happening that the kids are maybe like just being made aware of and then in the rules it's like don't come up with solutions or answers because they're kids and you can't plan for it anyway which is also sort of just like you can't you can't expect a player to act in a particular way but especially when you're role-playing as 10 year old characters you're like this could go anywhere and so the game wants you to let it go anywhere because that that creativity and that like silliness is really the point of the game and i've extrapolated i think i've mentioned this before talking to sean mccoy of tuesday night games the designer of mothership about this and this whole thing uh trying to explain player skill to me which i didn't understand at the time was oh, this was like at a con too right yeah we we aren't close i like sean but we've only ever hung out at cons so it, it's a very uh you know abbreviated yet accelerated friendship that you just like that con atmosphere, like uh, us in the Paizo man after we, we made good before we left the Gen Con last week. Um, yeah, we, I would love to talk about that, but we'll put a pin we in just it. just don't have the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, he goes, if I'm playing a detective or if I'm playing a mystery game, I don't want to roll my detective points and get the answer. I want to feel the feeling that it is to reveal the answer of a mystery. I show on the player, not my detective who has plus four in mystery or whatever. Right. This and is like the, the, the foundation of the gumshoe system, which is, it's not about uh, whether or not you get the clues. It's what you do with the clues once you've gathered them. Yeah. And I think um, maybe you have an answer for this. A thing that I, we're, we're kind of all over the place, but this is all good. Like actually game poking is yeah. um, as a, game master in a gumshoe system you do need to know a final solution correct like yes yeah they're they're actually uh scene flow diagrams that hmm. each adventure has that's a thing i find really difficult about mystery games or mysteries in games is mm-hmm. the pacing of clues like because i i think one of the worst things that could happen in that instance is you're in the first hour of play and you give a clue as the game master to a player and the way that you deliver it in some way like reveals too much and they're like oh i know the answer like that would be such a bummer <laughs> but part right. of that i think is gm skill uh of of pacing and understanding your players and that sort of thing and then to to some extent it, it is reliant on an some existing structure that the game provides um this is a thing I cons- I thought well about in Cobwebs because since no one person's solution is correct at the beginning of the game, no one can know what the answer is at the end, so it becomes a surprise to everyone. Mm-hmm. And because I think that surprise revelation, even if it is a player and a GM, like the moment the light bulb comes on, that's the moment. Like that is yeah. the most rewarding aspect of playing in a mystery. Right, and where you you feel super smart, have the brain blast, and then are able to use that knowledge in-game to be mega smart. 
Yeah, but at the same time, you want to earn, you want to have earned it. Like you want to feel justified in having reached that conclusion, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how different games treat those feelings. Like in uh, Nathan D. Paletta's One More Thing, which I think is for sale now, or it's shipping now. From yeah, I just Carter. got mine. Ooh, that's a good game. I I, I worked on it. Um, you uh, create all the clues, um, but you each depending on the the mode of play you're doing. Say you're doing the I believe it's called the writer's room mode, where you make your own mystery. Each player writes half of the clues, and then you combine, and then you basically create the murder together, and then you play as the characters trying to figure out, um, one is the investigator and the other is the murderer, uh, and you play this cat and mouse kind of game over the course of uh, the session, and you discover half the clues that you don't know um, while pulling the ones you do, so you can flex your brain and discover, you know, inside of this closed mystery uh, how everything interacts with each other. Yeah, I think mystery games in general are some of the hardest to design, because you you really need a novel way of coming to that solution that's not just you rolled and then you get the answer. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky. It's not like horror games, which is just like, you see a friggin' skeleton. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um, which I love. Um, my favorite type is when you see a ghoul or a mummy. Um, but, uh, yeah, mystery games, you, there's a lot of genre assumptions that have, uh, reactive elements with the players. Like as a, as a viewer, uh, as a passive party to a mystery, there's so much that the mystery is doing to you and like, you know, all the head fakes and all the red herrings and everything. Um, it's really hard. And I just really love all <laughs> mystery games to see their different takes on how to do this. Uh, cobwebs being one of them. I, um, that reminds me the horror thing of something I mentioned in the chat yesterday that I kind of want to pursue further, <laughs> but, um, there's a thing on Netflix now that's called somebody's previews from hell. I can't remember. It was like scary Ron or something. <laughs> scary Ron's previews from hell. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> it's just a extremely pulpy, um, like late night horror host kind of thing where this guy has a puppet of a, of a zombie and they're in a movie theater and he's talking to the puppet and then they show trailers of like horror movies from the seventies and eighties. Oh and shit. It's the same kind of stuff. Um, I was telling you, I've been going to the drive-in theater out here to see like old movies and the pre-roll is some of just the most absurd, like seventies movie theater grindhouse schlock. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I love that. I was in a, Last time I was in New York City, which is a city uh, that you could go to in the past. And um, I was hanging out with my little brothers and we went to a used bookstore and I bought a, a DVD of just like a hundred Grindhouse trailers. The trailers and, are so uh, fun. They're more they're fun than so, the movies. Yeah, they're incredible. Grindhouse movies also rule school. Uh, the Brattle Theater was doing mm. Grindhouse double features where they would play the first movie and you would know what it is. And they would have a secret second movie that you could stay for, but you would never know what. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But uh, yeah, schlocky trailers are beautiful. Definitely go check them out. You know, like um, I eat your flesh, I drink your blood. Um, I'm thinking of... Black uh, Christmas doing uh, a game jam left. that like you just see the trailer and you have to make a game about what you think the movie is. Um, wow. I would love to do some grindhouse trailer voice shit. I was, like, it is so funny. Th- so there's two that come to mind immediately or two or three, but um, one of the movies was called cannibal girls. And I was like, Ooh. this just already so cool and evocative. And like, I want to play the cannibal girls game. Um, the other, a thing that I like that comes up in a lot of these grindhouse trailers is just saying the name of the movie a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Torso. Torso. <laughs> and it's just like zooming in on different they people's drink your flesh. And the they logo is just blood. this really bold, like slab sans serif type, but the bottom of it is toothed like a saw blade and they're yeah. just keep yelling torso. <laughs> and it's, it's. 
deeply evocative. It comes back to something you have uh, said recently, too, of, like, wanting to say the name of the game in the game as, like, a yeah. function of the game. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Masters of the Flying Guillotine. That was one on there. It is the Masters of the Flying Guillotine. They're so, like, artsy to the trailers. They're, the, it's like the narrator's reading a fucking poem. Uh, they're beautiful. And they're they're all, like, four to five minutes long. Yeah, the trailers there, are so there, there's really long. no function to the movie after you've seen the trailer for a lot of these, but in a in like a beautiful way, like the trailer is so good. We well, just um, want to see the the rest of the um of the sex scenes. Maybe that's a thing we because we've talked too about integrating trailers into gameplay. I mean, maybe there's just a game of making grindhouse trailers, and that would be like super fun. God, that would be so good. Uh, yeah, you could do it like. Um, that evil hat game about making anime. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, you get a, a couple of words like adjective noun or, or whatever. And like some kind of combination it's of called randomized a, yeah. it's called uh, channel, channel, a. channel, channel a, I was going to say channel zero, but I mean, let's make channel Z. Boom. <laughs> um, boom. <laughs> channel zero is also the good, really good, like creepy pasta horror anthology that was on sci-fi network. Uh, that's on Shudder yes. now. Yeah. That that one's good. And, you know, Creepshow. Um, yeah, these kind of like anthology horror things. I would love to see a, you know, whip quick, like character creation to get like four Creepshow episodes in a game session. Yeah, let's maybe take a break and let's just design this game because I think we're both really excited by it all of a sudden. Yeah. Cool. So I think we right away have a pretty simple and still elegant solution for coming up with like what the movie is, which is the, the, these like random word pairings. Yeah. I wonder, I want to almost already start with like, it's not dice because if you, if you have 20 adjectives and 20 nouns, and you roll a d20, I guess maybe that's the solution, is just high-numbered dice. Because uh, I've been working so much with just d6 lately that I, I have the bell curve tattooed on the inside of my eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and this was a thing we dealt with a little bit with Guide, too, where it's like, you could roll 16 d6, but if you look at the averages, you're still getting a lot of hits in this middle area and not a lot yeah. on these external ones. So I, I think for the nature of truly random word pairings you either have a flat die so you're not rolling multiple dice or you have not dice to randomize but i do like the card system but then i I always in the front of my brain is how much does this game cost to print right exactly (laughs) so if you have proprietary cards that's its own thing let's get away from like the uh uh what's the tool aspect the what's it called implementation when you're using I don't know. With your hands. Anyway, <laughs> the physicality. You mentioned that Grindhouse trailers always say the name all the time. Yeah, more so, than once. Yeah, when you're in, maybe that's how turns work. Is that you start by saying the name of the Grindhouse trailer, and then or the movie. Maybe the movie is called like. Well, let's let's get our the skeleton. No, what's a good Grindhouse? I guess making the name of the movie is the first step. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's where I'm starting, but I was thinking of it in a mechanical way. I think oh, yeah. you have a bunch of horror words just in a pool. Maybe this is like a fishbowl thing. Everyone writes however many and puts them in a collection, and then you randomly draw. And uh, now you have um, ghoul, ghoul Treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Loved Ghoul Treehouse. Uh and I'm already picture like, so you say the name of the mo- what you come up with it in this like collaborative random way somehow, right? Because yeah. I think you you aren't 
allowed. It actively discourages planning because the other thing about these movies is they don't seem well thought out <laughs> in a good way. Like that's the charm yeah. that you're chasing here. Yeah. Um, so ghoul treehouse already, I'm picturing like kids hanging out in treehouse and then they get attacked by ghouls. And it, this, damn it, this comes back to my tower defense aspirations. Uh oh. Uh oh. You it's have slingshots and the ghouls try to climb the tree. And, well, anyway. so <laughs> having the. Well, to think about it even more abstract for tower defense, each grindhouse trailer is a tower in the lane, and it's trying to hit all the things a grindhouse trailer needs to hit. Yeah, I think and you have so, a. Not necessarily. I don't know how explicit, but like a a bullet list of maybe scene types. And I think because you're playing a trailer game and not a movie game, a turn composes of saying the name of the movie, dictating some moment in it that is seen in in the trailer, whether it's, I I think you you have horrendous murder. I think you have sexual things. Visible Um, pubic hair. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then, like, extreme close-ups of yeah. people's uh, faces and stuff. Oh, the, just, watery like, horror reveal, like, when you open the door and just scream. Watery blood. A gunshot that's so fucking loud. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about Grand House Trailers is that they just max the fucking volume on everything. So, because uh, the the session of the game is that you are playing the trailers before the movie you watch. And so you're just making a series of, you know, six or seven trailers and then you watch the movie. Maybe a piece of the game is actually playing the movie that you've created with the trailer you like the most. Yeah. Kind of. I think we were talking about it last week of the idea of doing pilot season. Right. This is sort of that, like a gamified way of generating pilots or trailers. And then you're like, okay, we just did six trailers. Which movie do we want to watch? And at that point we can just say, you know, that sounds like that's a game that would work very well with fiasco. And then you just play fiasco for ghoul Treehouse. but maybe you want to do mermaid spring break, a siren spring break. Um, and you know, that sounds way better as a monster hearts game or something like that or a chill game. Yeah, I dig that. I think too, the, I I think it's inspired too to like make the trailer and then the movie itself, like the trailer. The other thing about those, um, grindhouse style is they're not always really indicative of the experience of watching the full film. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) So they're Yeah. Usually cut together way differently to be as enjoyable as a film. Super enticing, but there obviously there's no slow parts of a trailer because in an hour and a half movie, you naturally have pacing and like moments where you're not getting eaten by piranhas. Um, but they don't want to show that in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, knowing us, we're going to want to make our own house system for actually how to play the game after. But anyway, so things that consist of a grindhouse trailer, we've all said that, uh, audience, um, testimonies for how scary it is. Oh, how the movies almost killed people. I was just going to say like warnings. Warnings are so good. I watched one yesterday where this in the middle of the trailer, the screen goes white and there's a voice and it's like, I'm one of the producers of this film. And if you're not someone who is comfortable with or enjoys motorcycle riding, knife wielding bats from hell, then close your eyes or turn away and certainly don't see my film. And then... This the screen goes back to the trailer and you just see two guys in motorcycle outfits like stab someone. <laughs> the the Exorcist trailer has shit like that where it's like doctors have said that this movie has caused fainting and people passing out and has a bunch of interviews with people after watching, you know, early yes. screens of the Exorcist. There, you get a little like, bit of that <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You get a little bit of that now when you see the like night vision camera that's pointing yes. at the audience of paranormal activity or whatever. So you can mm-hmm. see the, sh- the jump scares and then show that in the trailer of like, you will be scared. Look at this room full of people who just experienced the scare. Wow. I would love the night vision camera for like watching movies over Discord video. So it's just like <laughs> fucking Seb and I. And I'm just like, well, I'm pretty freaked out right now. And Seb's like, yeah, me too. That's like our level of being freaked. Um, I love I love the warning. I also recently we went to see um, Jaws at the drive-in, oh. and 
Jaws which, has a grindhousey trailer too. Yeah, and it's fun. And also the they were showing like Piranha, like it's um this thing called Beyond Fest in LA that's basically like horror curation. Like they do a great job of of pairing movies and like doing normally they do events and stuff. We saw um Doctor Sleep before it came out for free oh, wow. on Halloween night because they just like did a, a thing. But um I hated that movie. Anyway, there's <laughs> They, they like choose the trailers, right? There's not just like a random lit list of grindhouse trailers before Jaws. They're all aquatic themed and mm. to like get you into the mood to watch Jaws. Um, but there's one that they did and they always do that's for, and I've tried to do some research on it and, and come up short. It seems like a stage performance more than a film. And they're like, you can see King Kong and the mummy. They're both really here. Girls do not come alone. Bring someone to protect you. And it's like, whoa, that's really fucked up. Whoa. And then they're the warnings are, are way more direct and extreme because I think it's more like a, um, like a 4d experience before, <laughs> like, like if you ever went to the Muppets movie at Disney world, where it's like, there's air jets under the seat, but in the mo- movie or honey, I shrunk the audience, um, <laughs> where they're making you think that there are rats on your feet, but it's really just compressed air. Um, uh, so there are wandering cretins that are, yeah. In the horror being... way, that's way more extreme, yeah. right? Like, uh, so they, they give you these warnings of like, someone might grab your neck and it's like, no, they will not. I will not be here. (laughs) (laughs) So to take that, what if we're uh, trying to nail between a continuum of way too extreme or way too vanilla? Like you're trying to hit somewhere in that to nail the grindhouse trailer that you're making. Yeah. Um, I think this comes to the kit that we supply as designers of here are X, Y, and Z that need to go into your trailer. Right. I really like the idea of a like generative website that like automatically generates five points that your grindhouse trailer has to hit and like two bonus points that it could. Um, and okay. like, like I was mentioning earlier, grindhouse and you as well, Grindhouse trailers always say the name of the movie a ton of times. That could just be when we delineate which player is speaking at the table. Yeah, I, I like that as a turn thing. I also think I like it as a, a finite thing. Like, if you, like, because you don't want to do the whole movie in this way. Even yeah. though Grindhouse trailers feel long, they say, like, if you say the movie name more than eight times, like, trailer's over. Right, you have this real-time kind Ooh, of qualifier yeah. of how much you're you're able to put into this trailer. Um, I also the generative website thing made me think of the Morkborg dungeon generator, yes. yeah, which is just exceptional. And I, if you haven't checked it out, please go check out the Morkborg dungeon generator. Morkborg has changed, well deserving of every fucking award it's ever gotten. Yeah, it's so I, good. I am continually. I kind of like wrote it off as as just like very cool but thin then i read the book and i was like oh there's actually a lot of novel rules in here it's it's padded with extremely cool lore and world building stuff but there's also good rules and then they just keep going where it's like oh we made overland travel expansion and it's free oh we have a website that just gives you randomly generated dungeons and all of them are good And and the website like shakes and shit and if you don't like just one room, like you can click it and it replaces just that room or you can just fully start over, randomize like from scratch and it's just really well done. But I, mm. I do think there's something there to iterating on that randomness uh, to generate movies. I think having it be digital and I think that's a way I just never r- think because yeah. I, I'm, I'm so like print oriented. Um but you can have all the things that we're talking about built into it. How many mm-hmm. times can you say the title? What is the title? Like here's 1000 words we put into this AI, right? And then it just randomly generates titles and some of them are going to be weird, but most of them will probably work. And then like here's six scene prompts or like highlights or whatever that you need to include before the trailer's over. Or like you said, like here's you have to do three and then there's three optional ones. Um, 
And I'm then kind finally, of picturing here's the here's the movie archive of all the trailers people have made with this. Oh, that's really cool. Because so then you, you could even you yourself, not play it and just yeah, look through it, the archive and be like, oh, I'm going to make because I also like the idea of extrapolating on a trailer to make a full standalone game that does the whole movie. Yeah. You don't even have to play the core game or the, the, the trailer game to play the movie game. If that is good, mm-hmm. if there's like a library, which is just like going to the VHS store and picking one off the shelf. Yeah. And it's exactly like our experience watching these grindhouse trailers that it's just a fucking hour of trailers. You know, like, okay, yes. Tell me more about these scissor sisters. <laughs> uh, there's also, Switch, li- sorry, switchblade sisters. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can edit that if you want. That's a pop band. Um, yeah, I think too, I remember, you know, like going to Blockbuster when I was a kid and going in the bins of what was effectively like modern grindhouse. They were just like straight to DVD movies. I remember one very profoundly that's called Pterodactyl that Coolio was in. Oh my God. Coolio was like a military operative, but basically it was like in Turkey or something like Eastern Europe and pterodactyls were living in this mountain and like everything was fine they kind of just would have continued to live if people didn't try to go in their zone but then they started like picking people off like tearing them and you know the pterodactyl swoops down and grabs it with the talons and then their their legs are still standing there as their torso (laughs) gets carried away um but i used to buy all those and like enjoy them a lot of them were so bad like i couldn't even finish but that's kind of what grindhouse is anyway and i think it still exists too and i know that because i have a shutter subscription that they still make horror movies that are just unwatchable but some of them have either really cool premise or just like just the joy of a very good b movie i'm yeah, just sending you yeah, a yeah. picture of um coolio pointing two handguns at a pterodactyl <laughs> Uh, also, it looks like he has like a like an Oculus headset on. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Um, that movie was fun. I recommend it. Actually, I don't because I bet there's something in it that I will regret having recommended. Yeah, it's that been, you absolutely folded it, underneath your. Mind. It's been years. My monument's destroyed. Yeah, um, I love knocking out rooms of the old mind palace. Uh, okay, so it looks like we have the the whole entire pitch of this game. And kind of how you play it. It's like a turn-taking, generative talking game. Um. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I am also thinking of games like uh, If Not Us, Then Who by Riley Hopkins, which when it was on Kickstarter, it was presented as a RPG for zero players. But to extrapolate on the philosophy is you dictate the... It's Power Rangers themed, and I've seen a few hacks of it that are other show themes. But um, instead of acting out the actual scenes and like playing an episode, you kind of use these randomizers to dictate episodes with the goal of dictating a whole season. So you're not so each season, especially like if you remember those types of shows, um, episode to episode, or maybe not crucially important but you have the like season-long meta plot so these games are designed to just highlight the meta plot and Mm -hmm. you dictate the things that are less important but um you're sort of like playing the episodic structure of a season long of television Um, yeah it's it's also like orion black's plot armor yes yes yeah you don't do full RPG sessions for each episode. It's about this long running series. And I think mm-hmm. that that's sort of what we're going for here. Like the trailers are not necessarily role playing sessions so much as they're generative, like evocative moment generators. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also, Oh, go ahead. I think I'm interested in, Maybe taking a break and coming back with, like you said, we want to build a system to play the movie in. Right. What if we say, you know, like Siren Spring Break, Ghoul Treehouse. I'm also thinking of like the motorcycle guys that just stab people. 
um, Cannibal Girls. All of them have built in like understanding of what that movie is with that just from the title for the most part. Obviously, yeah, you, can, you yeah. can subvert that. You can do unique things with those, but that's not what Grindhouse typically is about. So let's maybe now try to build up a system in which we can play out the actual movie from the trailers. We're back. We're back on the Brain Trust podcast. And we're going to gamify a Grindhouse trailer into a Grindhouse movie game. So for those of you just tuning in, I'm Will Yopes. This is Edifass. We're on the way back here. <laughs> How did you get here? What happened? If you got to right here in the podcast, I want that secret to stay yours and safe. Um, so, so far we have played maybe the first hour or two of this game where we made you know, five or six grindhouse trailers. And now we are picking which one we want to play for the movie because, uh, at the end of this game, you have the option of just continuing on to a more traditional role-playing experience where you play characters and you do shit. Yeah. So I think what are the movies first, so far, Oh, go ahead. I, I think a first question we want to answer that's important for how the game works is who the player characters are in this kind of, uh, as we mentioned right before the last break, there's a lot of movies that the title is just really about what the threat is. And I think that's a Grindhouse classic, right? That's not something I want to mess with necessarily. But yeah. do you then act as the threat? Are you cannibal ghouls or the treehouse ghouls or cannibal girls or whatever? Or are you under threat? Because obviously those movies, the protagonist of the story is just a regular person who's under attack by these other forces and i think that's good that is i think the true horror game experience of being the depowered who is under threat by the the powerful yeah i think the trailer that the players have created does a lot of the work of figuring out like what the things are in this movie mm-hmm. and maybe we can take um viditia valetti's uh canvas style understanding of games is that what it's called Canvas? i'm not sure what you're after uh like everything like linking is a playable, unrelated games uh, everything is a playable element and so you just create canvases for oh yeah 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 um that was a big thing for me with hell cabin one uh is it's effectively canvases so this idea was presented in 60 gmless by viditia valetti uh or at least that was the first place I was introduced to it. And then it really got me thinking of how can you interact with that structure? I think it works really well with horror. And I think yeah. that was why I was so excited and made hell cabin so quickly because I was inspired by like, okay, you have the humans, you have the, the evil forces, you have the cabin itself, which uh, obviously that movie is, or that game is based on evil dead and, having just seen that again at the drive-in recently, you notice how much the setting really is a character. uh, Mm -hmm. And just coming up with a way to play that in role-playing, actually, in horror, it seems the most intuitive to me. Right. Um, So I think that that framework works exceptionally well. Also, again, for this grindhouse-y style, the setting is usually very static um or at least in ones that i'm thinking of it's like it's absolutely like a set a a narrow scope yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um i think a lot of the time too that's part of the scariness is that you can't there's nowhere to go so i'm thinking of like like even in like texas chainsaw massacre where it's like you're just on this family's farm and so there's the barn the the homestead there's maybe like a a tertiary location like a shed or something but for the most part there's nothing around there's just like fields so you have the the 
the boundary lines of like our whole story takes place within these bounds and anything can happen in there, but no one's really allowed to leave it because it would be against the spirit of, and it didn't happen in the trailer. Like you already have the trailer as the blueprint of what's going to happen. So you already know trailers will reveal basically how it ends or something like that. And in the the act of creating the trailer, you've outlined what the movie is going to be about. Um, you mentioned narrow scope and it would be so cool to uh, have some like pre <laughs> game genie style preloads for the movie as in the form of production credits to use production credits and studios as almost like maybe sort of lines and veils or other expectation setting things like, you know, it's going to be an oscilloscope movie. So in our in our parlance, that means it's going to be rated triple X or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Going back to the. um the black mass style of like quali- quantifying your experience and expectations by in a flavorful way. I, I did put like ratings in hell cabin for PG 13 or R or X. And that was inspired by, by black mass. Um, you could just like pull out different, like in the, in the beginning of the movie, grindhouse movies and seventies movies in general have extremely long introduction credits for things. And in here <laughs> you can be like, Oh, we know that this, you know, fakey fake actor called Douse Dinsky is going to be in this movie. And so it's going to have a, a roving murderer in it. So you are inputting this stuff into the movie um, out of this like shared parlance of uh, Grindhouse stuff. Like, you know, that Chainsaw Productions is going to be doing special effects or whatever. So you have all these like different modes that you front load into the movie and you're basically communicating to the viewer. I don't know if you do this, but I do this with movies that I'll recognize production logos and teams and people working on stuff to have an expectation for what, what the, might be in the movie. So if you know that there's like some industrial light and magic shit, it's going to be some George Lucas kind of special effects or whatever. Yeah. E- even in a more modern way, like Bloomhouse is kind of notorious for making these schlocky horror movies yeah. now. So when you see the Bloomhouse logo at the start of a trailer versus like the A24 logo or something, yeah, you're like, I oh, mean, these are two specific yeah. experiences and now I know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so just having that as that could, that doesn't like from a safety aspect, you want every player to be on the same exact page for everything. That's not a question. But yeah. for a game content aspect, if each player, you know, the pre-game portion after the trailers and before the movie is each picking, drafting your production companies and actors to go into the movie. So the movie itself is surprising based on these things that everyone has created. Um, you know, maybe like Dincent Dice is in the movie and like that's going to be the presenter for this or like the narrator or all the music's done by Doblin, uh, that band. Um, I like what you're doing a lot. Thank you. What if there's a, what if there's a, uh, I like what you're doing a lot. Uh, Den horror host (laughs) aspects. Yes. I think that's the next level. And that was what, like you, you just made me think of that too. Like, in addition to, I think maybe that's a thread that goes through the trailer thing yes, is having absolutely. a horror host. You could have a Vampirella oh. or a Svenguli or, or this kind of like horror entity that maybe, maybe all of the players like get to be this person. Yes. Um, yeah. Everybody's but, got a crypt keeper impression. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's also to go back to canvases and, and kind of diegetic safety stuff too. Um, there could be like also the shared role of the audience of yes. like I'm home at Friday, Friday night. It's 1130. I'm watching uh, WGN Chicago where Sven Gulli's about to do his presentation. <laughs> and Sven Gulli does set up these, these trailers and generally it, obviously it's, it's usually funny. The, the role of the horror host is usually to be just like campy and fun. Um, then I then we do the trailer, and then there's usually some like smart alecky comments or like interaction with the trailer in post because the the host now has shared this experience with the audience yeah. of like here's our collected reaction to that. Um, it's usually to shit on it or you know like if in the examples we're talking about these really schlocky movies or make a fun pun. 
yeah, puns are, are, are a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, maybe there's like a point system to puns and you can spend them when you do the movie, but... Uh, yeah, like each pun that you generate is then like currency for the next movie or for the game itself when you go and play it. It's yes. like your uh, genre points. So you're able to like, uh, we didn't mention a chainsaw in the trailer, but there's got to be one because it's a, it's a grindhouse movie. Or like, yeah, you can spend them on moments almost like the the trailer obviously is moments, but it's not like you said, it's not every moment. So um and the puns are already so idiosyncratic. So like maybe for Siren Spring Break, it would be like, um, that was really the song of the summer. And you know that when you go into the movie, you can use, I know that's the song of the summer to insert something into the scene. So we're using our own RPG technology. Yes. <laughs> RPG, but you're, you're front loading your codes as character puns. Like it is, it is, built into the game as the horror host. Um, and I like that a lot. It's, it adds a lot of fun because I think one, one f- aspect of enjoying the, this style is poking fun at it. Yeah. And the other is just like, again, what we talked about earlier with like how artsy it can be and like provocative. And I think too, there's something to the trailers, like trailers obviously are curated to give you a certain perception of the film. But a thing you see now in modern trailers are scenes that are not in the movie that are included in the trailer to be evocative (laughs) or deliberately misleading. So maybe you see someone like to go with the chainsaw thing. You see the the threat raising their chainsaw above them and like the, the victim holding their hands in front of their face and screaming on the ground. And that's in the trailer. But then you use your pun points in the moment to be like, (laughs) Actually, my boyfriend, who I thought was was dead, with his like last gasp, he tackles the chainsaw oh. person, and now I have a moment to escape, and I got to use my pun points to create this moment. So the trailer made it look like that was my death, but now I'm using my my pun points to yeah to You're delay my death. Points. The and the thing is, these movies always have these jump scares that are half the time fake outs. So you're just putting the fake out into the movie, you know, like the chainsaw is right above, uh, let's say it's like the cheerleader on the ground. And it turns out that you see the chainsaw and you see the cheerleader on the ground and the chainsaw comes down. And it's actually just like the jock cutting down a tree in the front yard. Uh, I was like, just thinking that was a uh, close one. <laughs> of seeing Friday the 13th in 3d, uh, the third one at, I think it was at the brattle. Um, oh, cool. and there's a scene where, <laughs> They have a juggling contest, but the camera is uh, positioned above the participants. So the tennis balls that they're juggling are coming at you in 3D. (laughs) (laughs) And Brattle does a fun thing, too, where they would do like trivia and then give you passes to future movies. Um, That night they had three people from the audience juggle tennis balls and whoever could juggle the longest got free movie tickets. That rules. Um, But that specific like because that's the same that's moments after you see jason squeeze someone's head so hard that their eyeball pops out at the audience (laughs) so this like things coming at you especially in 3d is such a good like psych out because the final destination movie that was in 3d did this too where you'd see things just like constantly coming towards you as like fake scares just to mess with you 3d really opens that opportunity up in a, in a whole new exciting way i think yeah maybe there is like a 3d mode to the game where you can <laughs> like you can add it that's, on that's one it's, of the production logos in the yeah it's some kind of expansion content where you can integrate not quite scarce but just like sensory stuff into it's gonna be into way the movie. grosser and i was just thinking like one of the production logos could be some um you know something in italian to be like the dario argento style very abstract kind of weirdo angles and stuff and yeah i like i like where your head's at too with this sort of managing expectation in a flavor way and i i wonder i think it's that's maybe a stage that you can add to the trailer creation um because a lot of the like I like the more modern examples I was giving, they'll show you a glimpse in the trailer. Like I know a Bloomhouse trailer when I because they they tell me first thing because they're very self important, uh, right? So because 
similarly, like you could have a Bloomhouse trailer that looks like a good movie, or you could ha- have an A24 trailer that looks like a, a schlocky movie, but then the movie itself still is its own thing, or at least especially modern day, because the it's I'm sort of getting away from what we're after with the Grindhouse thing, but... Um, yeah, but it's, it's still a cool way to generate stuff. And each yeah, production yeah. logo will have assumptions about the movie that you can then choose, so... Say so you're using the web app or whatever, and you click the A24 one, and it gives you like ten options, and then like four of them are highlighted of ones that have to be in, and it's like strong female lead, uh, someone getting their fucking head caved in, um, Re- religious <laughs> confusion, yeah, re- a, tri- a triangular building, like those are the <laughs> the four things you need, um, and then the, you know the rest are like uh, mention of a uh, Babylonian wind spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I like this combination too of managing expectations in a safety way, but also like prompting creative moments in the film. Um, Because one, it makes, in addition to making safety diegetic, it also kind of obfuscates it in a way that I'm trying, I'm trying to find a way to put it because sometimes um, safety because it's safety tools are often tacked on and not part of the design. Um, it sometimes feels almost like delaying fun or like that. It's not necessarily, it's, it's an important part of functioning with the game and, and with your fellow players, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a fun part where the gameplay is the fun part. You know what I'm after? Right. Because yeah, exactly. this kind of makes it, fun in the same way as generating like moments formality. yeah and i think that's really exceptional because it's a thing that designers strive for often it's not necessarily hiding the safety mechanics but making it part of the game instead of just the the like bolted on necessary function of gameplay and it gives I the th- safety tool also a time to it's constantly being used, which is also a um, a pro. Like, it's an active tool that's used yeah. through the game. Yeah, the, the X card and for the queen is, is what I'm thinking of. Like, you don't just use it for, like, harm reduction. You also just use it as a function of the game to, like, interact with it in the way that you want to. And so it just becomes really natural and also feels a lot more comfortable to use it it's one of those things we have talked about in the past too, of like, it gives you permission in a way, like, yeah, it, it feels more normal to implement in that way. Um, in this game or in this like structure, it, it works hand in hand with all the other generative aspects of setup in a way that disguises it almost like in a good way of, I, I know I want to have, gore but i want my gore to look like like super bad like toxic avenger yeah. um, so yeah. so that has its own what's it tro, tro uh, i can't i'm losing it i can only think of tromeo and juliet because it's a play on oh it's just troma troma who did toxic avenger um a bunch of other films tromeo and juliet was the one that i was stuck on uh <laughs> low-budget low horror farce, basically. But the gore in it was always really silly and extreme. Um, but that's what I'm thinking of, too. Like, we can agree to have gore, but the way that we treat it, even, as these production studios or as these special effects studios... And I think, too, you have maybe, you know, like... You, you quantify each thing. Who's the director... And what are they known for? Who's the actor and what are they known for? And then who's the special effects? I think then you can kind of extrapolate to like the, the, the studio is known for a style. You have the artsy ones, you have the pulpy ones, you have the The super sexy ones. Yeah. The the porny ones. Um, (laughs) And then you have a very quick story. I was watching Midsummer. I probably talked about this on the podcast, but I was watching it. I watched in the theater. Uh, There was a point in the movie um, where half the audience left, and then it, I thought something was happening in the theater, and then um, 
a quarter of the audience came back in that left so half of the half and then some guy came in and started screaming at the theater and was like this is a porno movie and we were like sir you have to stop people were like you have to get out of here and he wouldn't stop um and it did turn out to be a porno movie that's such an opposite of my midsummer theater experience where everyone was cracking up the whole time oh my god erica and i were both like we feel like the main characters of this where like everyone around us is in on something that we're not in on. And it it really presented this like weird meta horror, but it also made me hate the film because I I've seen it again since. And I do like it, but uh, when people in the theater, I I gotta say it's one thing I, I I don't miss uh, (laughs) now not being able to go to a theater. Anyway, the loud person in the theater you hate. Yeah. When half the people left, we, I was with a group and we were fucking, freaked out because we were like is there something happening in this physical theater that i gotta know about right like what do they know that i don't know anyway so uh, well that's to, to bring it around that's one yeah. way you could rate the trailers and the movie itself based on the audience reaction with the audience testimonials and stuff oh i like that too one of one of the trailers in the previews from hell that i watched involved a, a very staged version of that where someone is being dragged out by the cops and they're like he was going berserk in the theater and then there's a journalist who interviews the next person and that person just is cackling and won't (laughs) won't speak like (laughs) maniacal laughing sounds like me um but but i i really like those like person on the street style what did you think of this film and they do it even with like disney movies now where they're like oh, it made me it reminded me of my childhood it was so fantastic or whatever and it, or it's like it was so wonderful <laughs> um it works especially well with horror and i think it especially works well with grindhouse like because the testimonials themselves are are extremely phony and curated yeah um that's a fun that's a fun thing. It goes back to, I, I mentioned briefly, like having an audience role or audience character that you can play um, to, to go back with, I mean, just like our game philosophy of you're the directors, you're the actors and you're the audience. Um, never before has it been so explicit <laughs> as when yeah. the game is a movie trailer <laughs> that you're generating and watching. Yeah, I mean, we're we're going a little bit long, but I think we're just flooding with ideas now that, like, you know, the, the structure of the trailer itself would also uh, be up to each production company. And maybe you pick um, a very factory-style uh, company that you're filling out a Mad Libs of the trailer, and that's your guide for the first one. And then deeper you get with the trailers, the more freeform and weird you get with it because you've now mastered the elements that you have access to. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I also am thinking of just like now on Netflix when you hover over something, like sometimes they just don't show trailers at all. They'll just show you like 30 seconds of the movie. And it's really confusing because I do yeah. like and want trailers. Yeah. But that is just like a new like kind of modern marketing thing of I can I can give you more evocative treatment by showing you this 30 seconds that takes place within the first 10 minutes of the movie because they don't want to give away the whole thing or yeah. Um, or having like artsy artsy trailers that kind of skirt around the actual premise of the film or, or package it in a way to make it seem like it's much more serious than it is. Mm -hmm. You also have like just the, the full gore show or the full like extreme trailer. That's just like sensory overload Yeah. I like, to, to extrapolate the like studio system that is in play here, even into trailer composition, that's its own like the the way we b- bounce back and forth between the movie itself and the trailers um, is this really cool like meta micro thing that's that everything kind of works in both directions and that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and like you start by getting a real quick sketch of the movie and then making the trailer out of that. Yes. Yes, I think also, for whatever reason, I'm thinking about early brain trust. Maybe it's just because it's about, oh, it's about our anniversary. We should look oh, find wow. out when that is and maybe celebrate it. When Actually, I think it was I think it was a, a week ago. Shit. Um, <laughs> hey, Adam, happy anniversary. We, we were at Gen Con. 
we were preoccupied with Gen Con. Um, and now I lost, I lost my point. Oh, um, this would work in a neat way with one of the rejected pitches that was Osmosis Jones RPG. Oh, right. Of like micro and macro of the trailers being things that happen inside of the like germ world or the, the back, like the cell world where Osmosis mm-hmm. Jones lives. And then the movie part being what happens to Bill Murray's body, like the kind of back and forth of between a thing that is more rapid fire and more um, just like throwing spaghetti out and then elaborating on those things and how they affect in a, like a bigger picture. I, I think there's the, the idea the systems that we're playing with work really well in bouncing between scales i think that's a thing that we're doing on accident that's really clever is this small scale and big scale story stuff and how to combine them in a game damn uh july 23rd was when we launched the brain trust oh we missed it by a mile (laughs) we missed it by a month uh oh well this is the anniversary episode (laughs) (laughs) we have you know what? We're constantly post-morteming and being real with ourselves, so every episode of the Brain Trust Podcast is an <laughs> opportunity to celebrate us. Yeah, time is a flat circle. Yep. Um, let's, uh, let's call it a podcast. Yeah, let's wrap. Uh, I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. I'm on Patreon at World Champ Game Co. And I... I'm mentioning that one because I'm probably going to do some grindhousey thing next month and my patrons will get it for for whatever yeah. they they pledge for. Um I'm Will, I'm online. Uh you can find me online through email or DMs. <laughs> if you think about it, email is like the DMs of our parents generation. Sliding into the inbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh brain emoji, handshake emoji. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>